0: 69, 13. Saska, Saska, what are we gonna do with you? The answer is of the universe is not the 69. All right? It is not the birth. secret of the universe. No, it's just the secret to fun. Uh, uh, okay, point taken, but we don't want to <laughs> lose our, our family-friendly <laughs> status. So instead, <laughs> hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans. Over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction fashions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we are going to dive into this episode, and uh, I promise we are not normally such hedonistic um, 'er ne'er-do-wells there, Declan. He's a good Catholic boy, and he's probably going to have to go to mass to (laughs) say a few extra Hail Marys, and it's going to be bad for him. And I apologize in advance to the father, and you're going to have to talk to him.
1: I will agree that Declan is male. Declan is Catholic. Declan is not bad. We'll go with that. Sure. So
0: for people who don't know who you are, uh, a brother Declan Finn, can you introduce yourself to the audience?
2: Uh, Sure. Uh, Declan Finn, I've been writing, I have been publishing, I have been a published author for about 10 years now. I've been writing for more than half my uh, adult life, more, more than half of my existence. Period. Uh, on book thirty something, I've lost count. Uh, time for me, time for me to tally those up again. Um, I write every, I write everything that's not nailed down. Uh, I've got a space opera coming out. I've got urban fantasy. I've got some horror. I've got some thrillers. I've got some murder mysteries. I don't write. Shoot 'em ups so much as I write blow 'em ups. You know, it's like break, break out, break out the RPG. It's not a role playing game this time. Uh, although I, I have had some fun where it's you know throwing a guy from Spec Ops at, at at a at a sci-fi convention who he's never been to before. They're talking about RPGs all over the place, and he's suddenly very twitchy and nobody knows why. You know that sort of thing. But uh, so
0: so Seska would say then that you were genre fluid.
2: I am. I, I like After a fashion, I most of my most of my writing has been whatever catches my fancy. I I'm particularly proud of the book set to kill, where it's another you know murder mystery at a sci-fi convention. It's at Wyvern over in Atlanta, uh, where it's dealing with. Tearful puppies and puppy punters. This of course has nothing to do with anything in real life. Honest.
0: <laughs> that is good to know. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we first found them. So I actually met Declan in person. I think it was RavenCon 2016. It was yep. definitely one of the yep. Ravencons I went to 2015 as well. So it's one of those two. Uh, It was before I started writing. I definitely remember that, or at least before I was published. And I do remember what stood out was this very bright coat. I don't remember (laughs) what color it is on account of being colorblind. Yellow.
1: It's yellow. I thought it it might be orange,
0: but I wasn't sure. No,
1: it's like highlighter yellow. Okay. I don't
0: know (laughs) why it looked orange to me, but what else? Could have been the lighting. We'll blame the lighting. Definitely not the colorblindness.
2: Sure.
0: So, so, Saska, what bar did you meet him at? I mean, it was confession, right? Cause he's a good Catholic boy.
1: He may be a good Catholic boy, but I'm a great pagan girl, so a woman. So, uh, you know, that probably wasn't confession. Um, I think actually the first time, don't know if I met you at Liberty Con in 2018, or if it's I put you on a panel and you walked up to me afterwards and you went, well, that was fun. But why was I on this? And I was like, well, because I put it up as a Facebook thing, and you thought it was cool, and you commented, and there was all this stream of these comments of you talking with people about it. So I figured you'd make a good panelist for it.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, Now, actually, that was um, that was DragonCon with um, oh, contemporary looking at uh, classic sci-fi through contemporary.
1: Panel where we looked at. um, Classic literature as it uh, as it was presented and mm-hmm. dealing with kind of the fact that some of these things that were novelty items back in the day of like really like Heinlein putting women as as female officers was really avant-garde at the time, but kind of how, how he did it now we look at it as sexist. Well, you know, it's great that we've evolved past this, but it doesn't discount what he did. It doesn't make what he did sexist. Mm-hmm. It still kind of counts as him pushing the awful open his day. You have to understand the context of some yeah. of these things when they're talking about how they push barriers. Cause just cause we push past those barriers doesn't mean they don't, shouldn't get the credit for helping laying the groundwork for that push. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the first panel I ever paneled you on. And you're like, so you read those comments and I'm like, well, of course they read the comments.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I don't, I I know I was on the panel because I moused off on, on Facebook. It's like, you're (laughs) going to, yeah, you're going to get the people who are sane for this conversation in this day and age. It's like, you're on the panel. Oops. Okay.
1: (laughs) No, you you said some really great things and you, you were articulate about it. So, and we, we want, that was one where we uh, we really pushed to have people who represented, we had some people from both newer authors and, Older, more established authors, as well as we had people who were off from varying sides of the political aisle. And the night nice, nice, neat thing about the older authors was they knew some of the people whose works were, were brought up in discussion. And stuff, oh yeah.
2: So. Oh yes. It was it was actually fun being you know two down from Larry Niven. I actually told people I was on panels with Larry and Larry, and they went like, "Okay, you're on panels with Larry Correa. Who's the other one? Like Larry Niven. Larry Niven. It's like, okay." <laughs>
1: Yeah, it no, was actually- it was, it, he thought that was really fun, particularly because some of his works are some of the works we discussed. So because he, he pushed limits early on oh, in yeah. his career. And uh, oh, yeah. he's been around long enough that early on in his career is uh, before I was
2: alive. Oh, yeah. Although I was a little bit nervous, uh, not because I was, you know, next to the great Larry Niven. It's like the, the previous year I had seen Jerry Purnell at his last panel at Dragon Con, and two days later he was dead. It's like now, Larry Niven is right next. Is almost next to me. Uh Please don't yeah. die.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I. You told me that, and I was like, oh. We're not going to tell anybody that for a couple months, just 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 in case. Yeah. So
2: and it's years, and, and he's now, still alive. a
1: Couple years later, so you're good.
2: Thank God.
0: Yeah. All right, so now we have to ask you the religion question,
1: and we'll see whether you get to stay. He gets to stay. You and your fake. Threats. So, Chappie, Robocop, or Terminator?
2: Well, the question is Terminator one or two. You pick. You pick. Well, Terminator. 2. I don't anymore. even
1: know what the hell Chappie is.
0: It's a robotic thing set in Britain. It's hilarious.
1: I figured it was robotic, but because of the rest of the movies. But uh, I started you know. trying
0: to do themes to the questions just to have
2: some fun with it. Yes, I believe the last one was. Uh, what was it? Star Trek or Star Wars? And they said Babylon 5. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so uh, Terminator, you said? Okay, that's yes. acceptable. Yes. Thank you. All right, Doc. Now you get to ask him the next one.
1: This uh, one you might
0: have some serious opinions on.
1: Underworld, Blade, or Van Helsing?
0: See, see now he's actually thinking about it. <laughs> It's like, well, which one do I hate less,
2: really? Uh, I love Blade. You know, let's go with Blade because that was at least fun. Underworld took itself way too seriously. And it's like, wow, I I saw this movie. It was called The Matrix, wasn't it? Uh, You know, granted. The
1: Matrix version of urban fantasy. I will give you that one.
2: Pretty much. Although I will agree with friends of mine who enjoy it because it's Kate Beckinsale in tight leather. Uh, personally yeah, that's that not very, enough. That's very valid though. I will not negate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me that's not enough to carry a movie, but eh, whatever.
1: It doesn't really do it for me like that, but you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I'll I'll, I'll go with blade. Even, yeah, I'll go with blade <laughs> even though it's guys. Okay, blood blood from the fire suppression system. You're supposed to be eating it, aren't you?
1: Yeah, that seems kind of wasteful to me, but you know,
2: It's like okay, raves with even raves with chocolate from the ceiling for humans—it's like no, that's just messy. It's like, guys, do you know how hard it is to get blood oh, blood out of leather?
1: Of cinematography in a way, it really was. Yeah. So they had a lot of fun with it, which it, with all of them, I think. And um though I heard oh, yeah. that that the lead actor was a little difficult to work with at
2: point. Well, it's Wesley Snipes. First, you have to acknowledge that he can't act.
1: <laughs> he didn't yeah. have to act for that one. They just typecasted it to him. Pretty much.
2: Well,
0: I mean, he did act very well in the um, um, Demolition Man, where he was the bad guy. That was he did well on that.
1: Okay, I was told by somebody that it that that's because he's an asshole and he got to play an asshole.
0: Okay, fair enough. I don't know him personally. I just all I, I don't remember is when he took on the IRS and lost. That's all I remember about him most
1: people lose when they take on the IRS unfortunately
0: even Capone lost
1: well <laughs> his tactics were a little rough yeah so, which was your first um love nope, nope, nope. Hold, hold up
0: there's a new question in there just for him read it oh
1: so you write vampire stories what's your thoughts about Buffy? the vampire player
2: it does not hold up as well as i thought it would i i recently purchased it as a gift for somebody this past christmas and you know they wanted to sit around and watch it It it's like okay fine and by the time we got to i think we even gave up somewhere before it went to hell but that's that was the point where everyone went you know what this was cute for its day but now it's got to go are you talking about the series or the movie uh, the TV series. Uh, the original the original movie was entertaining because it was stupid. It knew it was stupid. It wasn't taking itself seriously at all. I think Donald Sutherland was on something. Uh, <laughs> although it's like, it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but you've written it for Luke Perry to be the star, and he's barely in this film. What? But that's... Another quiddler. The death
0: scene at the end though is one of the best death scenes in any movie his- in history ever. You mean Pee the- Herman taking five minutes to die? Yeah. <laughs> and then the uh the end part where the principal's going around in a room littered full of corpses, giving everyone detention. That was classic.
2: Unfortunately, that's almost stupid enough for me to believe.
0: <laughs> Probably given what we've seen recently,
2: yeah. but we're not here to talk politics. So Oh oh no, I'm just You're talking about mind. oh no, I'm talking about Real life in general. I mean, okay, have you ever heard of a TV show called Barney Miller? It was a cop show centered around comedy in the 70s. Yeah. I've heard of it. Uh, in the 80s, uh, TV Guide, if that's even still a thing, uh, went around and polled police officers for what was the most realistic TV show. And it's, you know, Kojak or Hill Street Blues or etc, etc. They all said Barney Miller. So, starting to make me think that Scrubs is a documentary.
0: That is concerning, (laughs) concerning. all right, Doc, now it's the regularly scheduled
2: question.
1: So which was your first love, sci-fi or fantasy?
2: I think it was science fiction with Star Trek, but that's mainly because I have memories of, you know, Syndicated broadcasts on ch- my local Channel Eleven at six o'clock every night, whether whether anything else was on or not, because it was something to watch before Jeopardy. So I'm going to say sci-fi.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So, what was um, your first? Well, well, you already answered that one. Haha. <laughs> All right. So what is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre that can include your fantasy or your, or your sci-fi? Okay.
2: I get to do things and I don't have to become an expert in everything. You know, I can use a little hand hand there, and here and there. I don't have to become Tom Clancy about everything. And you know, back when, you know, I live in New York city, nobody's even allowed to look cross-eyed at a firearm. Uh, so I don't have to go into detail. I don't have to be an expert in gun porn, which is one of the reasons I got out of, uh, doing straight thrillers, because every time I wrote something straight thriller-ish, you know, I got some, some guy going, yes, but you got this wrong about guns. It's like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Next. So that's one of the nice things with, uh, speculative fiction. It's one of the things I like with fantasy, because I, I I usually tend to stay out, I, most of my time is spent away from sci-fi because I feel like if I don't have a degree in rocket science, I'm not doing it right.
0: <laughs> That's what hand is for. And you yeah. have that kind of thing in, uh, in fantasy too, like get one thing wrong about horses and all the fantasy people come out of the arms. So yeah, you just have to sell the lie convincingly enough so it sounds like, you know what you're talking about
2: yeah well thankfully since i started writing i now have a base of experts even with horses actually to start talking to people with so do to think of it i should probably start talking to my guy with about swords the with, the guy, you know the guy who makes them and the guy who fights with them
0: now i want a sword all right so how I did your love? i know a word? guy i know a guy <laughs> you
1: can't have a sword
0: I actually have someone making me a custom blade from a Blood Eagle Knives.
2: So, uh, yeah.
0: I'm kind of excited. I already um, have swords. I mean, I have lots of knives, I just, but you can always have more. I have swords, but and I have death needles. I, I don't actually know what I'm doing with blades. Like, I'd be better off throwing it at them than trying to fight with it. Um, this was also what my instructor told me on the pistol range, that just throw the pistol at them, you'll have a better <laughs> chance of survival. Um, Weren't you in the infantry? I can I can do amazing things with long arms. It was the pistol. What grunt carries a pistol?
1: Uh, tankers.
0: I wasn't a tanker. I worked for a living. But they're grunts. No, they are not. You they're ask not them, grunts. they are. No, they are not. They are calf. They are barely human. I like calf. Because that's for lazy people who are afraid of walking. I'm not afraid yes, of walking. Send the hate like mail that. to sesca at blastersandbladespodcast.com. Don't do it.
1: They're not going to send me hate mail. Somewhere there is somebody getting weird email. Yeah.
0: I wonder if we, we, uh, that'd be like when you'd give a real phone number and you didn't remember to put the 555 in front and then people started getting phone calls. I've done that. All right. So how did your love of speculative fiction, of reading it and engaging in it, transition into you writing stories?
2: Hmm. well probably a way the way a lot of people went with it uh fan fiction um i actually started doing a fan fiction based around a tv show at the time it's my next space opera so i'm not going to say which, which which one i stole from originally but uh by the time i was like you know a few hundred pages into it it's wow this looks absolutely nothing like the original show so if i rewrite the beginning i could actually sell this cool so um and by the time i was done because you know i just started writing it to get it out of my head because i had a few ideas and you know i just kept writing and one of these days it'll just go away and uh 4 pages later uh i had rewired my brain so that you know i needed a notepad next to my bed so i could write stuff down so my brain would shut up enough to let me go to sleep so You know welcome to writer brain you can't shut it off you can't put it on mute and you can't smother it with a pillow
0: so So, are you a transition to a um, handheld recording device
2: oh god no mainly because half my idea is i'm around other people and unlike some people with bluetooth uh earpieces i do not like looking like i'm schizophrenic in public so it's like you know just write down pen and paper or even on my uh smart well My stupid phone but let's call it a smartphone
0: okay fair enough although i will say that if you um if you have the handheld recorder you end up half the time if you wake up with an idea you're mumbling so much that it just comes off as gibberish anyway
2: so i'm sure (laughs) in there
0: somewhere was brilliance but it did not translate well yeah (laughs) at least at least it's been my experience
2: oh that's one of the reasons why i stopped you know, writing until I fell asleep because when I go back to it the next morning, it's like, you know, I don't know what I was trying to say with this last half page. There are words and they're correctly spelled, but they're not in any order that means anything. It's
1: like... I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) All right. So um, many authors let their own real life experience influence the kind of stories they tell. So were there any specific formidable moments that shaped you as a storyteller?
1: don't say that one time at bandcamp
2: um I don't even get that reference my apologies um you, what? Know. Have you
1: ever seen American pie uh
2: no I have not but um, Are you sure
0: you're even American <laughs> yes
2: Jesus I am God. I <laughs> yeah well have have things affected me as a storyteller yes and no I you know I, I've had parts of me and my life come in. You know, I had one character warped in certain ways by 9/11, another who found himself damn near kicked out of a high school for being a terrorist, things like that that happened to me in real life, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And you know, I've got a history degree that is only good for writing or for. Would you like fries with that? Uh, I was going to become a professor. Oh,
0: hold on, hold on. As a someone who also has a history degree, you could teach history with a history degree.
1: Not yes. if you're not a soccer coach.
2: Well, I just,
1: <laughs> yes. Every single history, every single soccer coach I've ever known in high school had it taught history or poli sci or both. Actually, mine was the wrestling
0: cool. coach.
2: Yeah. Well, in my case, I was going for my PhD, and then I ran into wow. My original college was largely apolitical, and then I went to a uh, Jesuit high school in the Bronx. It shall remain nameless. them and uh, discovered, wow, you guys are a bunch of super-psycho-political hacks. You're not professors. You know, I'd like to learn history, please. So, so that was a little bit of a bust. But, uh, you know, so but I've taken my history degree. I've used, I've used it to write a, to close to a dozen novels now between my thriller series, which was, you know, basically me being pissed off at Dan Brown, uh, because, you know, I'm a historian who was reading Dan Brown. It's like, I'm going to hurt you now. Um, and then I do, you know, now I use my history degree for the secret history of vampires. Well, you
1: Fair know. enough.
2: Hmm.
1: So but tra- transitioning a little bit off of your storyteller theme, but we have the fan questions. Have you had any cool fan art or someone cosplay one of your vampires before?
2: uh yes i've had fan art um one who went from being doing fan art to designing my covers uh, oh, cool. by, yes if you look at the last batch of the vampire series uh love at first bite the self-published self-published covers were done by a fan who really enjoyed uh the series and i have fan art by well I married her, so uh so that <laughs> happened.
0: That's Is that how you cheated? Get,
2: get Is that how you cheated offer? so you
0: can get a discount on the art costs? <laughs> Keeping the budget low? I don't
2: uh, know.
1: Vanessa's kind of a shark, man. She can drive a hard bargain.
0: Wait, you still have to pay her?
1: Jeez, uh, yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yes, but we're it's a family-friendly show, so we're not discussing payment methods.
2: <laughs> Touche. All right, you win this round, madam. Well, uh, as to go into, well, and to go into basic, uh, you know, Catholic catechism, you know, we, I think we are the only Christian sect where having, being married is a contract to have children and it is explicitly stated within doctrine. But, uh, I don't know, somebody could have updated their doctrine since then.
1: I don't know. Good to know. I, I, I have no idea about that. My ex-father-in-law was a Catholic and he had a lot of kids. So, um, But can you give us your funniest or weirdest fan interaction since you started writing?
2: Um, yeah. One fan so fell in love with the uh, main character uh, the main male character of honor at stake. That um, she grew a little attached, and I, I don't mean stalker attached, but there were days, so that got um, interesting. <laughs> That's the short version. <laughs> the you know, a- a- as you said earlier, the longer version would probably knock off your family-friendly uh, show rating.
1: <laughs> we try to do that because that way, you know, we can monetize it. We can keep the flights on. Um, but can you give us just the highlight reel of the Declan Finn author catalog?
2: Oh, um, let's see. <laughs> All right. 30 books, 30 seconds. No. Um, well there's obviously the love at first bite quartet. Um, I have a series called St. Tommy NYPD, which is urban fantasy, action, horror, that sort of thing. Um, I've got two books that are set at a, that are murder mysteries at a sci-fi convention. One was called, It Was Only on Stun. Um, you know, then Set to Kill, which I, I mentioned earlier, uh, set at Wyvern Con. Uh Yes. with both sets of puppies fighting over the hubble awards honestly no 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 relation to anything in real life um my pious trilogy which is five books long it's three books of plot one book of anthology and one book of footnotes because again history degree um you know there was one of my more recent ones is uh, clerical error which is a historical novel set in 1975 brooklyn where a college professor gets hijacked by a priest friend of his to be assistant pastor in, you know, darkest Brooklyn. And this just happened to the exact same situation, happened to happen to my father back in 1975, (laughs) which was entertaining. Um, And of course, I've got a series of thrillers, which uh, one is called Two Secret Service, the other is Dances with Werewolves. It's basically my version of uh, "Live and Let Die," only with more gunfights and more places to go to, really. Uh, but um, yeah, that's—I think that's a good chunk of the reel.
1: So today we're here to talk about Honor at Stake, which is the first of your Love at First Bite series. Um, where did you get the original premise to my Toughing New York Air, being a Yankee, um, the Subway, psychedelics, a Ouija board?
2: Well, um, that was also something that grew out of fan fiction. Uh, although in this case, it wasn't even mine. Uh, my sister was writing fan fiction for a TV show at the time that has already been brought up. And, you know, I took one look at it and went, you know what move over we can do better because i'd already written like <laughs> i'd already written like 10 books by then so it's like okay move over we can do better and did you, you know write it, it with her? uh no she wrote one chapter i wrote six and no, then i
1: the keyboard
2: i hijacked the keyboard i hijacked the story i hijacked the characters and which so you're and turn- brother yeah and turn around was fair play because when i did a one volume version of this totally disconnected from the original universe, the two characters who are supposed to be side characters hijacked the book from me. So I then had to break it up into a quartet and just, I let them take over. And that's when it went even weirder because it's like, okay, I'm really glad this didn't stay as fan fiction because that was a character sort of based on somebody in the TV show and is now dead here, there, and everywhere. It's like, huh. This had a higher body count than I thought it was going to. But uh, that was oh. back when I. Hmm? Elvis, he wants to eat those bodies. Okay. <laughs> but yeah.
1: That, so well, I mean, that's awesome though. I do I do mm-hmm. think it's one of the things that's awesome is uh, being an author is the only thing where you can let people hijack it and it's okay.
2: Oh, yes. Especially when the, hi- when the people who are hijacking them are technically you because they're people who live in your head.
1: It's the only job where having people live in your head is a win.
2: Oh, yeah. I have often referred to writing as legalized schizophrenia. A lot of
1: times, at least.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, there are people who uh, have, what was the line? Uh, writing is having people live in your head, and then you make them pay the rent.
1: I like that. I like
0: that. All right. So before we get started, for, we're going to take a second to look at this cover, and can you tell us how you came up with? Uh, well, hack it shrunk. All right, give me just a second.
1: Size does matter, JR. Come on. Uh,
0: not touching that with a 10-foot pole. We're keeping the family-friendly rating. <laughs> well, how did you come up with this cover? And I'm sorry, this is the biggest... Uh... Shut up, Saska. This was the largest uh, <laughs> size of the image I could find. Uh, and we were planning this on the fly. We gave him, like, two days' notice, so he didn't even have time to give us his his copy of the the cover <gasps> to get it bigger.
2: Uh, anyway, uh... But no, um actually that, that had that had very little to do with me. I basically described the publisher basically took the uh, cover models, the, the character models, and said, Okay, we're going to look for something with look for something with a redhead and you know, redhead, and it was dark and it was menacing. Actually, I think that's Chicago in the background, not New York, but I'm not picky. <laughs> Can I can't tell. I
0: just know
1: it's not Atlanta.
0: It just looks like a city lights boom it's a city pretty much,
1: Ooh, pretty tall much. Building.
0: so okay fair enough so um let's move on to the book itself so what would your 30 second elevator pitch for this novel be
2: a homicidal bloodthirsty monster meet the vampire in college they meet they <laughs> come <laughs> yes they come close to falling for each other then the vampire illuminati try to take over the city and the two of them have to bring together Street Gangs, the Mafia, and Vatican Ninjas to fight back the Horde before New York City becomes Salem's Lot.
0: Deep, I like it. So what do you think makes your series special?
2: Um, The character developments and, and the arcs, especially the way I did world building. Um, I, I should mention that since I was a nerd in college, I'm still one. No. Who am I kidding? Um, You know, I got a bachelor's degree in philosophy and one in history. And I used Catholic philosophy and metaphysics to make vampires more coherent. And then I threw in microbiology because that's part of my family background. Um, And I just threw them all into a blender and hit frappe so I could have one consistent feel to the world. And then I decided, okay, I don't remember anything I don't remember I don't even remember a lot of urban fantasy to take place in New York so I decided to make it all local and regional neighborhoods I have the occasional scene that happens in Manhattan and then they go all over the place so at the very least I have a distinct feel
0: okay did you add chlorians to make it fully balanced
2: I was talking about uh well, vampire viruses and...
1: Uh, it's
0: a well, joke. It's a Star Wars reference. Are... He caught it. That's why he smirked. Yeah, well, he...
1: I caught what thought, it was. I just wondered why you tossed it out there.
2: Because he I was actually, talking
0: about biology to make it work.
2: Yeah, I was actually... <laughs> well, it's funny because I actually reference uh, mitochondrial DNA. So you say chlorians, and all I could think is, yeah, that's probably what uh, George Lucas stole. It's like, Wait, mitochondria? Mito- sure mito- what?
1: I'm pretty sure that that's what he was trying for.
2: Oh, yeah. It's like he heard, you know, somebody said mitochondria. He wrote it down wrong. Congratulations. You now have, you know.
0: <laughs> maybe. That's that's maybe giving him too much credit. But he made a lot of money, so he can't be too far off. So this is normally Doc's favorite question, but I stole it from her. So what tropes do you feel like love at first Wait, wait, wait! You're
1: it's, supposed to call it the tropalicious question. Come on,
0: that just sounds. Say too, the word. How, what tropes do you feel like honor at stake hits the best? The tropalicious question. there. you feel better.
1: Yes, I do.
2: What tropes I hit best? I don't know. I don't know. Vampire romance. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I, I seriously try to actually. I don't try to subvert expectations because one, I hate that phrase. Uh, Although I I will say that I do spend some time with uh, my characters uh, dissecting some certain vampire fiction. Uh, I I do make fun a little bit of uh, Anne Rice. And this book, Honored Stake has gone through a publisher, self-publishing and my current publisher, Silver Empire. My first publisher had a choice of four taglines to choose from. You know, it's like, and I put one in the, I, I put my favorite one in the middle, and that's the one they picked because it was "Welcome to New York City, where vampires do not sparkle; they burn." So, I I have more fun making fun of tropes than anything else. That is fair. So
0: the anti-trope,
2: uh, pretty much. Look, I, I've got a vampire whose daily dose of blood comes from the chalice at mass.
0: Oh. <laughs> Do you get hate mail from, like, the Illuminati and the Catholic Church?
2: Um, not for this one. And, and no, I have not gotten, <laughs> no, I have not gotten any hate mail on this entire series, actually. Most people listen. This, hmm? th- this implies you have gotten hate mail from other series. Oh, Yeah. oh yeah (laughs) especially the people who who tried to tell me that um you used ms13 the street gang that's whose motto is rape control kill i used ms13 as a bad guy even a side villain a random encounter in one novel and somebody told me that i was a white nations list not nationalist, a white nation's list because they couldn't spell. The nice thing about one-star reviews is all the people who are totally bloody illiterate.
0: <laughs> fair, fair. Well, all right. Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, which you skew
1: the trope? One second, since you skew the trope, what subgenres do you feel this story fits best into?
2: <sighs> Urban fantasy, action, horror, maybe vampire romance. Although, in this case, the love story takes place over the course of all four books. So it's
1: a slow burn romance.
2: Then. Oh yeah, mainly because I hate books where they meet, they fall in love, they're falling to bed all within forty-eight hours or less. It's like, have you guys been in a relationship?
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, it sounds like they definitely know con romance.
0: Well, in, in their defense, like sometimes when when you live hard and and you know you'll die young, things happen quicker. <laughs>
2: That's
0: what I'm saying. It, it happened a lot oh, in the really? army. I, I I knew a guy that went to a bar and married the stripper, convinced it was love, and he was different. So I mean, stuff happens fast sometimes. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And they're still married, 23 years later. Nice. You, know
2: you can make it work. Good.
1: More power to them. Some people really do get that lucky. Some people don't. That's okay. That's why we have romance. So um, can you tell us a bit about the main character?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I've got two main characters uh, because I wanted to balance my male and female leads perfectly. The vampire is 120 years old. um, And I basically made sure to do thumbnail sketches of the biography for all hundred years. Where, yeah, bit of an op- was not an operative during World War One. Uh, was a spy during World War II, Then got drafted into the OSS and the CIA, and you know got kicked out in the nineties for budget cuts. Um, and the human, uh, well, he was on a date one night. Some meth head tried to pull a knife on them. Uh, and my human character took the knife away and proceeded to feed it back to the mugger and found, gee, killing people can be fun <laughs> and scares the crap out of everyone. So that, that's why I like to have my one of my taglines be, you know, one is a heartless bloodthirsty monster, the other is a vampire. And I did yes. last, so
0: you, you get points for that.
2: So it helps when you steal it from a lawyer joke. Eh, well,
1: this is fair. So can you tell us about any secondary characters that were especially memorable that you want to mention or just more about your dynamic duo? Of oh, well,
2: characters? Oh, my, my secondary characters. Um, it's actually kind of funny because this is the last series that I pantsed my way through uh, silver empire asked that for my other books, uh, I outline and I cut down how many characters I had because all my characters have this tendency to take over the book. Uh, but what? that's, you know. How did that happen? Because I say? the problem is you get reviewers going, there are too many characters. I got lost. It's like, all right, fine. You guys can keep track of the entire cast of Lord of the Rings, but you can't keep track of these five people. Fine, the whatever.
1: There are how many characters in Lord of the Rings.
2: I'm sorry, say that again?
1: I uh, said so there aren't that many characters in Lord of the Rings.
2: Yeah, well, I suspect some of the people who write those my reviews do not read Lord of the Rings. But, uh, you know, I, I, I actually had a lot of fun where one character was, uh, I actually modeled a bit on uh, Billy Piper from Doctor Who, where I, I made her the uh, head of the New York City Vampire Association, because bureaucracy is everywhere. Uh I had one mobster who just went by Enrico and he thought, you know, he miles himself on Michael Corleone and he, he obviously saw the godfather too many times because the lapels were like, you know, as wide as his shoulders. <laughs> so like his sense of style had been warped. You know, I <laughs> Yeah. And um, you know, I I've transplanted a whole bunch of I, I have one character. Who goes by Merle? He's a spy who works for the government, and his full name is actually Merlin Craft. Uh, he was actually my original uh, main character in the one book edition, and then he kind of got forced to the side by my uh, by my main leads. Um, so yeah, I've got a whole bunch of people, including um, one character who I refer to as the Weir Puppy, um, in uh, the The way i have shifting and shape-shifting works is when you get bitten it's not a matter of what bites you it's a matter of your temperament uh dictates what you turn into Uh, you know uh, jim butcher once joked about uh you have to go to the young adult section to get actual stories about monsters otherwise you wind up with you know freud and Jung coming in and where, you know, werewolves are just the manifestation of your dark side. So it's like, I took that and I ran with it. So, um, you know, one guy got bitten by, you know, his ex-girlfriend and, you know, every full moon he turns into an Irish wolfhound.
0: Is that because, well, no, you said it was because that was his temperament, not the who bit him.
2: Yeah, that was his temperament. And it was just a matter of he's nice and he's laid back. And if you piss him off, he'll kill you.
0: That's fair, fair enough. So- Sasuke would turn into a kitty cat.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, You've you been smoking.
2: Um. Well, what 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 branch of feline are you thinking of exactly? <laughs> Whatever's
0: gonna set her off because she she does it to me. So it's you know I gotta get, gotta get mine back.
1: No, no, I do it to you because you earn it. You like it.
0: Alright, you're fired You're voted <laughs> off the island Let's move on Ask him Tell about you the bad what, guys. you
1: prove that you know anything about cats And we'll talk about it Whew. Anyways, So, maybe a tree cat I could turn into a tree cat
0: Alright, ask him about the bad guys
1: Jared didn't understand the reference I
0: did, it's uh, an Honor Harrington thing
1: <laughs> So Without giving away any spoilers Can you tell us about Your bad guy in this book
2: um, well, for the, I treat the entire series, the entire series, since again, it was one book originally, they were basically a series of mini bosses. And the first one was your basic garden variety vampire who was building multiple nests of vampires within New York City and then training them to, well, take out, you know, slowly expand and take over the city, then spread out and go, do likewise? It's basically treating it like a plague and trying to expand, or a pyramid scheme. And uh, from there, the real problem is how do you take out something that's on par with Dracula and he's got friends, especially, and this is one of the trivia bits that i like to think makes my story unique, is we have a shootout in a cemetery. It's a specific cemetery called Mount Olivet, Olivet, in New York and, you know, we take out all the cemetery, vampires in the cemetery. Like, okay, this is cool. What's your next part of the plan? What do you mean next part of the plan? We took out every vampire in of its cemetery. We're in Queens. Queens is where New York comes to die. There are five other cemeteries within rock throwing distance. What do you mean you don't have another plan? <laughs> and oh. then move on from there
0: so that's where your knowledge of local geography comes to help you out
1: well not oh geography, yeah. but culture because i mean i can point it out on a map but i, I i've been to new york once and yeah
2: mm.
1: i ate at a restaurant it was great <laughs> it's no longer okay but uh okay so if your characters found you in the back of a new york alley how would you fare
2: Um, after
0: all the horrible things you did to them in uh creating this world i imagine they'd want their payback
2: well actually it's mostly a matter of well you 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 didn't you didn't totally screw us over so thanks for that we won't hurt you too badly
1: So they okay. might just hurt you, maim you, and make you undead, and then torture you longer.
2: Well, that depends on which character wins the discussion. <laughs> one is nicer than the other.
1: Fair wow. enough. So
2: that one of the things back
0: that, one. that uh, urban fantasy, I feel like it needs to adjust, uh, address for, or account for in modern literature, is the fact that technology is so ubiquitous that it would make constantly rebranding yourself and blending in and hiding in the shadows Difficult. So in your world, are the vampires hidden or are
2: they out in public? Um, they are hidden, but it's cut on par with, um, well, let's call it on par with Larry as Monster Hunters because, yes, there are certain sections of the planet that know the supernatural exists. You know, uh, how many vampire, how many bodies can drop in New York City before you know, some homicide detective goes, "Gee, these look like vampire bites. We either have a serial killer or vampires. And since all these attacks happened at the same time at different points in the city, I'm guessing vampires. Um, or you know, gee, how many veterans would walk would walk into a mon walk into a monster monster den by accident and then have to shoot their way out? That sort of thing." Um, Heck, I even wound up having vampires in Af- well, I had vampires in Afghanistan. That's going to look odd retroactively, but um, <laughs> you know. yeah.
0: So yeah. do you account for technology then and how they're able to hide, like with oh, identities?
2: Oh yes. Um, A lot of it is going to end up being multiple identities over time. Uh, <laughs> they are very, very familiar with fraudulent paperwork, uh, especially the ones who have Done their time within CIA, OSS, that sort of thing, where it's like, yes, we know how to do fake documents and do them repeatedly in different ways. Um, especially when you have these wonderful things called hair dyes. And, you know, there are enough different ways to shape your face in, with modern technology. Um, the one thing that comes to mind is a CIA disguise kit called the Dagger System. That uh, Antonio Mendez talked about in his book uh, Spy Dust* or *Master of Disguise*, I forget which one. Uh, Antonio Mendez was the guy they based uh, the movie *Argo* on. Okay. Okay. So, so there are a whole bunch of ways to do that in modern times. Well, then um, how do
0: you how do you account for DNA and fingerprinting?
2: Well, the usual answer is try not to leave any behind. Uh, but, well vampires aren't going to bleed a whole hell of a lot um, actually the real problem especially with in terms of DNA and microbiology is um, you know the, the way I have it is the vampire virus occurs in saliva and you know if a little bit of the virus gets into the into the victim the virus actually strengthens the victim enough to survive the blood loss assuming you're not draining them dry and that you know, that pumps up the, the victim a little bit so that, uh, you know, you don't thin out the herd too much. Um, so that helps if everybody's nice, calm, relaxed and plays by the rules, because even if you are Jack the Ripper turned serial killer, the last thing you wanna do is make vampires well known because, because that's when everybody just go starts going to church and carry crucifixes for a living in day and night.
0: So in your universe, do the crucifixes have an effect?
2: Yes, with or without um, faith, mainly because, I'm sorry, if you're waving a crucifix at a vampire, you have faith, even if it's only in the piece of wood or metal in your hand, which is one of the things that drove me nuts about people who say, oh, it's a matter of your faith. Like, yes, because God exists only if you believe in him, right? Please
0: okay so i'm guessing then by by that answer then you sometimes factor in theological discussions into this universe
2: Uh, i have some theological discussions and i have one character make a point of carrying throwing stars of david oh okay that's unique i try
0: so when you're writing these characters do you have a favorite character archetype you use do you just sort of write them and let it naturally happen and not consider, much like with tropes, consider that kind of stuff until the book is done?
2: Um, No, with this one, again, since I was basing it off doing it by the seat of my pants, it's like, you know, okay, I know I need a mob guy, this is the actor I'm going to cast him with, and then we're going to just keep writing and see how he develops. Uh, And, you know, yeah, I wound up with Casting one vampire who, uh, you know, in real life used to be a a historical figure who was an IRA gunman. And it's like, okay, that was unexpected. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that would do
0: it. All right, so this is where we let you uh, give us a sneak peek at how the sausage was made. So were there any cool scenes or ideas that you had to cut from this book uh, that would be cool to talk about? Because some some authors, especially panthers, uh, tend to find, I wrote all this cool stuff and I can't use it.
2: Uh, in this in this case, I, it was the exact opposite. Um, I had to expand from one book into four, and when the expansion was, when everything just went off the rails because it's like, okay, and you know, I'm just going along. One of the book, one of the later books, I have a vampire assassin who's a thousand years old, and her idea of getting a minion is, you know, Russian spec ops. <laughs> You know, still okay. covered in, still covered in tattoos, and it's like, okay, now we suddenly have an, a a rocket propelled grenade attack on a hospital, huh? I didn't see that coming. So I actually wound up with more cool stuff just because I expanded it instead of cutting. Okay,
0: that's cool. Oh, yeah, I think that's awesome. So finally, what can you tell us about this uh, this universe? In miniseries, the world where the story is told is as much a character as the protagonist or antagonist. We know this is set in modern times, just given what you said, but is there anything other than the vampire bit that, uh, that makes this
2: unique, this world? Well, I tried to take everything with vampires and make them make sense. You know, throw in some metaphysics, throw in some history, Throw in modern weaponry and you know little known facts about holy water for example um remember i mentioned my uh my father had been an assistant pastor in uh, in brooklyn once bedside to be precise and you know he had a little known fact of even if you have two teaspoons of holy water in the bottom of the basin you can just refill it with regular tap water and it's all holy water according to catechism, so if you take a fifty-gallon 50 drum well, of holy that, water, that,
1: that's, that's not how solutions work. Sorry, ripping off your to face,
2: me. ripping
0: off your face doesn't change the fact <laughs> that he's giving you his his answer. Don't be rude and don't rip your I'm face tired.
1: off unless you film it. And, and I'm going. That's not how a solution works.
2: Well, it's this is magic, though. It's technically not a solution. <laughs> If it was a solution, it would have alcohol because alcohol is a solution. A liquid, <laughs> alcohol is the solution to a lot of problems
0: for, for some of
2: us.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, just remember in chemistry, alcohol is a solution.
1: Don't know what you're talking about. Water is a liquid, which means it's pure. So we'll go for it. But so in your in catechism and then
0: in your world, because of that, uh, they can take a fifty-five gallon drum, pour a teaspoon
2: of, of holy water in it, and no no. You 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 blessed You bless the gallon, the 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 drum of holy water, and then you run a fire hose through it. And congratulations, you're now spraying down everybody, every vampire with holy water from a fire hose. Because you're just running the water line straight through the drum. Ooh,
1: that's so cool,
2: ain't it?
0: I can dig it. So okay, I don't even know if I answered your question. no but it was kind of cool so we'll take it so uh so you know um, so basically you you took the real world and then some of the lore expanded it and that's what makes it unique is how you expanded the existing lore and and tried to make it codified
2: oh yes Uh, for example something i did with vampires you know i i kept them as vampires and you know they yes they all have souls And the more they are formed over time, um, the more they commit evil acts or the more good acts they perform, the more powerful they become. It's I personally, I was taking it from one part, Aristotle and habits and how to form character and one part, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. (laughs) Go wrong with that. Yeah.
0: I love that Uh, game.
2: Yeah. And, And then I was told later on that yes, Vampire the Masquerade works this way. It's like, damn it, I can't even be original even when I don't know about it.
0: <laughs> what is Vampire the Masquerade? Is this like oh a video game
1: God, or something? Oh my God, this a baby JR. Uh,
2: I was told it was an, R- an RPG from...
1: It's, it's an old, RPG from... Yeah. That actually... Um, if I recall correctly, a lot of it started from White Wolf, which is... Probably. Uh, which is headquartered out of here in Atlanta.
2: So. Doesn't everything come out go back to White, White Wolf eventually?
1: Uh, White Wolf thinks so.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, so they're lawyers, I'm sure. Oh. Okay.
0: Well, now that we've cleared that up, clear as mud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. All right, Doc. Next two are you, or next few are you? I should say.
1: Um. Oh yes. Sorry, normally we let JR ask about this because we know how he loves numbers. Since you've said that there's four books in this series, are you going to be doing any more?
2: Um, I hope to. I actually okay. have an idea to go back to the universe. Uh, I the series is officially wrapped up. The more books with these characters would actually be considered a new series of uh, in my head, I have it as honeymoon from hell. Okay. And- yeah, is, that, because, is
0: that a reference? So where do you you're see that going
1: so that we can uh, get the fans all excited, go out, buy the book, rave your reviews, and uh, get you motivated?
2: Oh, well, that that's simple. Just go to Amazon or even SilverEmpire.org. And, you know, it should be relatively easy to find. Uh, you know, you type in Declan Finn, Love at First Bite. Uh, you have to put in the Declan Finn, however, because if you just put in Love at First Bite, you'll get a um, – a George Hamilton movie from the seventies. That's more of a comedy.
1: So, and, and we know that because this had this is a Dragon Award finalist book, yeah, which means we know that it had tons of fans. So, for those fans who've already read, where can you tell give them a bit about where you think you'd go with this?
2: Where I would go with it, well, I would take my two main characters. I'd get them married in like chapter one, you know, uh, you know, and then the zombies attacked or something along those lines. And we're going to send them off far, far away from New York, because you don't want to have uh, the vampire turn into a crisp. We're going to take a nice long passenger train, preferably in the back. One gets to be in car, One gets to ride cargo, <laughs> and um, you know that way I can have them set up in different places where I've got you know. you know the the bad guy in chicago would have to be a necromancer alderman because how else can you fit in jokes about the dead voting uh you know uh as you do yeah there was actually one one villain that one state senator larry correa talked about being as a batman villain and i kind of wanted to make him a supernatural arms dealer instead of what he really was which was a regular arms dealer um what was his name leland Yi of california which was hilarious because he he opposed guns and grand theft auto and he was living grand theft auto um you know and then it would end at um well since i already have it developed for somewhere else i did have the final shootout at wyvern con in atlanta and uh I get to have the primary bad guy be a mad scientist out of the cdc and for the record i came up with this idea about two three years ago so this has nothing to do with current events honest i have enough problems writing horror and then having it turned into headline news
1: yeah i could see where that would be a problem so every literary universe has its own in consistent rules of science technology or magic so what can we expect to see in the way of your world is it heavy in magic is it how does that look the tech it sounds like it's probably about on par with what
2: we have oh yes uh the tech is on par with what we have i don't have a lot of magic flying around right now uh, although that will be a large part of um the sequel series because i want to bring in the fae and i don't mean you know tolkien elves i I mean you know elves they you know the a-holes of the fantasy world you know the traditional version um (laughs) you know and you know that's actually something i kind of want to steal not uh lift a little from oh, what was that sh- movie called? Bright with Will Smith.
1: Oh, yes, that was a about. very good movie.
2: Yes, and I enjoyed
1: I, a lot.
2: Yeah, I actually thought one of the better parts of it was we're going to take elves and then we're going to introduce. Well, imagine all the tricks Lego Lust did in Lord of the Rings, and then swap it out for a firearm, for a simple handgun. I
1: thought it yep. was good.
2: I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it was. It was fun, although I think the script could have used a second edit, but that was about it. It, w- it was actually quite entertaining. I'm surprised they haven't done a. Se- well, let me back up. I was going to say I'm surprised they haven't done a second one, but it's like, how much money do you need to get Will Smith right now? A lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Right, so I know he said he'd be interested in uh, doing a second one, which is great. So because uh, if an actor's interested in doing it, it. Probably
2: easier to get them to do. Um, uh, with all the COVID
0: lockdowns, I imagine they're interested in just about anything at this point.
2: <laughs> yeah, I much. know.
0: I, I still haven't got over Will Smith not doing the second Independence Day for stupid reasons.
2: Because he read the script? No, because he,
0: he tried to force him to put his son in and his son can't act. Oh. And they oh. said no. They uh, and then they killed him off in the canon using clips from the first movie so he didn't even get paid for it because they already owned it that might
2: have worked you know that might have worked out well for all concerned because again his son can't act but
1: uh, uh. yeah well you know he, hopefully he can take some classes and get better because i mean he has family who can act who knows but um let's talk about is there any of the magic or tech in the universe that you'd steal and use in daily life if you could.
2: Well, if I could just, you know, use mind control powers, all I'd do is go, you know, walk up up to the same room with any politician and go, you can no longer tell a lie, and walk away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be glorious.
0: Carrie did that in a movie, The uh, Liar Liar. (laughs) That was hilarious.
2: Wow, 20... 20-ish years ago. No, I'm not that old. You shut your mouth. I, I don't know. But, uh, I, I honestly don't remember how long ago that was, but
1: yeah. AI, you're just the a, oldest one here.
2: Shut I'm 39.
1: See? As you're am the I. oldest one here.
2: Oh, okay. But, uh, no, frankly, just having simple, tele, simple telepathy, and it's like, I know, disengaging your ability to lie. Goodbye. And just watch the fireworks. The news would be hilarious. you just it really would be
1: um so what fantastic creatures have you designed for your universe other than vampires
2: well in a anthology series called storming area 51 i'm not sure if you ever heard of it uh
1: (laughs) i don't know about that yeah it's all sassan's fault it She's is the one who peer
0: pressured <laughs> me into hosting that one. Wouldn't it be cool if...
1: It, it, it didn't
2: take a lot. It didn't. Yeah. Well, I I actually did a short story where I did the most fantasy monster creation because I created a sub-level to Area 51 that was below pretty much everything, and that's basically where the government stores all their miscellaneous supernatural garbage where it's like, no, we're... Sp- where most people are smart enough to not touch this stuff, like throw it in the vault, throw it under the vault, and throw away the key. And, you know, I, I had, you know, a dragon the size of about a cow. Uh, the research facility was overseen by a guy who was cursed, only he was, you know, a panda in a lab coat. And um,
0: <laughs> I so love that. Other than that, that story when you go about, generally speaking, designing your, your fantastical creatures, do you let nature inspire you? Do you use your nightmares and your dreams? Are you pulling from, I don't know, accepted lore, D&D, monster manual? Like, how do you go about creating these fantastical creatures?
2: The answer is yes, all of the above. Um, mostly, mostly what I've been doing has been either stuff from nature because, let's face it, uh, all right, if you ever saw the classic sci-fi film, Them, it was a film about giant ants. It's yeah. like, yeah, giant, you know, ants are scary. In fact, when they did the CGI for Ant-Man, they had to redesign ants to make them look cute and cuddly. Otherwise, everyone would be screaming in the theater. Um, and so, gross. Gross. so, yeah, I take that on one end. And from the other end, I've been doing research into Eastern European folklore because you know unless you're playing or reading the series of the witcher you probably don't know most of uh, most people don't usually know Eastern European monsters and we won't even go into how many varieties of blood drinking undead or demons there are I, I I looked it up once I looked it up a few times while I was doing the vampire series and it's like oh my god is there we should be worried that there are almost every culture on Earth has some kind of blood-drinking monster in it that looks like a human being. This is unsettling,
0: at the very least.
2: <laughs> you know. Do you, you have a
0: theory on why that's such a
1: ubiquitous thing
0: in cultures?
2: No, I don't have a theory. I don't want to have a theory. You know what? Okay.
1: Everybody's had an ex-spouse.
2: I do actually. <laughs> <I can't, laughs> Actually, I do have a theory because, you know, people who bite, people who don't like bright shinies from Reflections, people who don't like water, sounds like rabies.
0: Yeah, I've heard that before.
2: Yeah. So, and I've heard, honestly, I've heard worse theories.
0: I think it was Brad Thord that did one where it was like mm-hmm. rabies combined with something spider venom. And it was uh designed by hannibal to do bio warfare against the romans and i mean they did they were doing bio warfare back then as far as you know making things to put in those pots they were throwing at the enemy it Mm -hmm. it did happen they've actually found some of it which was the inspiration for that book at brad thor i just can't remember what it's called where uh at one point the part of the alp that had been frozen since hannibal's time thought enough that they found one of his elephants and some of the baggage train um, and so they found some of the stuff in there, and it was unique combinations of nastiness.
2: Yes, I, I do vaguely remember that one, although I kind of recently threw out the entire Brad Thor series after I read his most, was his most recent one or the one before that? Because he got weirdly obsessed with Russia after a while. It's like, you know what? I'm starting to realize your character, well, Scar Harvath, has no personal emotional Development or even character depth anymore. Goodbye. You know, I found. I I think. I think that's a danger
0: when you get a series that's too long running. Yeah, Uh, it gets played out. I mean, look at uh, when um, Sherlock got that long running. They there was a large gap before anybody came back and was interested again because it started to be derivative. So I think Mm less a dig at Brad Thor, who's making way more money than all of us. Oh yeah, and more. There's something to be said for you know rejuvenating ideas and, and. broadening your horizons, I think.
2: Yeah. Even if it's just a matter of, well, well, do something else for a change, then come back.
0: Yeah. yeah he, he just to to do... Keep the keep the well flowing, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. well, all right. So we've been at it for an hour. Uh, the interview is clearly running down. We've asked all of our questions. Uh, but before we wrap this up, was there anything about Honor at Stake or the Love at First bite series uh, that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us before we wrap this up?
2: No, you you've been very thorough.
0: So I know this is available in print and ebook. Is there any plans to bring this out in audiobook?
2: Uh there are plans to bring it out in audiobook, uh, although it's been everything has been put on hold in part because of you know, the beer bug, the you know, the the, the, the virus of unknown origin that you can't talk about anywhere. Um so that's put a hold on a lot of things, even one of the audio readers I wanted, although I've found another audio reader and I just have to convince my publisher to hire, hire Moira Grayland because she's, she's got good, she does good voice. She gives good voice work. Um, and yeah, there are plans. And right now we've got paperback, ebook, hardcover, audiobook is the next step. And, you know, it's all going to depend on what happens first. My, uh, Next fantasy, my next urban fantasy novel or the audio book for Honor at Stake. I honestly don't know which one comes next.
0: Okay. So as we wrap this up, can you tell listeners how they can find you? And as usual, dear listener, these will all be in the show notes. If you just open them and look, you will see all the hard work we did.
2: Uh, yes, I can be contacted for any number of reasons at Declan Finn Inc. at AOL.com. Um, you can find me at Declan Substack. Uh, DeclanFin.com is one of my blogs of declinfinn books on twitter uh where else am i oh i'm on Wee. i'm on gab uh there aren't too many Declan fins in captivity so it shouldn't be too hard to find <laughs> i'm also on parlor on the occasions that i use it um it seems to have turned into a lot of spam in my threads anyway um i think that's every interesting social media known to man. I don't do Instagram because with my face, I don't do a lot of selfies. Um, yeah, I think that's about it.
0: Okay, and you can find us at all the usual places, but I'm going to tell you twice anyway, in case you didn't hear me the first time. We have our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters, tack and tack blades. Anchor.fm backslash blasters, tack and tack blades. We have Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show Sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. If you prefer to send us long letters about your walks in the park again, that's blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. If it gets too weird, I will forward it to Sesca and make her sit through it. So, you know, challenge, uh, challenge accepted, I guess.
1: Hey, if it's I- interesting, we'll read it on an episode.
0: This is also true. Uh, we have our Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen at blasters and uh, <laughs> Facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, Facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. You can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author JR Hanley. Uh, and you can also support us over on uh, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. You can do a one time donation or a monthly recurring fee. I promise we will keep Doc Seska and Nick Garber duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders.
1: Never surrender.
0: All right. She guzzles that down. I'm not going to talk to her doctor about her problems. Uh, Doc, (laughs) bring it home.
1: Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for Nick Garber. J and JR. I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next time where we'll discuss and indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, picking on JR, and of course, magic and sci-fi.
0: All right. Before we wrap this up, we have one question for the road. This is going to be an important question. It is for you, Declan. How do you feel about pineapples on pizza? Declan.
1: Declan, say yes.
2: Say oh my yes god, we've
0: had a heathen here the whole time.
2: No, 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 no. Yes. Th- the term abomination comes to mind. Oh my god, I
1: like yeah.
2: it. Oh, trust me, my 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 mother is my mother's family comes from Sicily. Trust me, don't don't bring up pineapples on pizza. I, she might have hidden razor blades on her.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna Dude. mess with an angry Italian woman. Especially I Italian. I know.